Lord, we thank you for this morning. We come before you ready to hear what you have to say. Lord, in my weakness, use me. And Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. And in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And then we're going to read uh, verses 25 through 40. And if you get, when you get there, if you can please uh, stand up for the reading of God's word. So that's John chapter 6, starting at verse 25. We're going to go from 25 to 40. Hear the word of the Lord. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So every city, in a way, has their niche, Every city is known for something. And the city I grew up in, born and raised in, Chino was known at the time for being the dairy city. Prior to that, it was Artesia, and prior to that, it was elsewhere. But every city has a niche. At one point, Redlands was known for its citrus. Some of you got it. Some of you just looked like you didn't know. That's okay. Citrus. Redlands was known for its citrus. There's one city now that is really known as, as, if you enter there, you will know what it's known for. And that is, uh, if you go down the 110, all the way down to an end in San Pedro, and you go over the hill, you will see this massive port. 
The port of LA and the port of San Pedro is massive. It's not the largest uh, port in our country, but it contains and ships out and exports uh, and imports the most out of any port in our country. If you look out, you will see 500, 600 foot tankers, cargo ships, you name it, all across our coast waiting for the tides to bring them in to unload and to load. And if you ever have driven down that area in San Pedro, 710, the 110, where they all kind of meet, you will see these massive, massive uh, unloading containers or unloading machines and all this stuff. It's a massive city. In fact, it's its own city where it has its own police. It has its own medical center. It has its own like food. This, this whole section is dedicated strictly for, poor, like, for, uh, for um, shipping and trading. Everything that enters our country, majority of that stuff comes to that port. This whole city is dedicated to this one thing. It is the largest employer of that region. And it's a city that is known for its shipping. This city's identity is found in this profession. And, and not just that, but there are rules, there's laws that regulate that whole area that is specific only to that area. Only certain types of trucks can enter in. Only certain hours of people out of work. But what I'm trying to get at is every city has a niche. It has an identity of what it's known for. It has something that's like, yes, that's what we do. And the people there have pride in what they do. This morning, we're going to look at the city of Capernaum. And we know Jesus in Capernaum because at the end of this chapter, chapter 6, in verse 59, it says, it finishes off what Jesus is saying, of saying that he was in Capernaum. And Jesus uses this reference of bread. And every time we see bread referenced in Scripture, it, it sticks out because bread holds a very important place amongst the culture. Not just to survive, to eat, but of what it represents. For it was manna, what is it, that God provided, a bread-type food. When the Israelites were leaving the, uh, Egypt. Bread has been part of the culture and holds a significant place. And we see that Jesus references bread and him being the bread of life, but he says it in Capernaum. And what this city, Capernaum, is known for is millstones. Millstones are the cornerstone of their city. So a millstone, for those who don't know what this is, it's a giant rock that's shaped out. And what it's used is to ground the grain to make flour, ground wheat to make flour. And so this city, everything the city does is based around these millstones. These millstones not just provide income for them because they make them there, but it also provides food. It provides nour nourishment. These millstones are such a vital part of this community, and it's part of their identity. This is their niche. They are known for making these millstones. Not just like it brings them income, but they can provide life for those outside of their city. 
There is pride in this. Because without them, how are we going to eat? You got to pave the road before you start eating. And these millstones are just that. They get the food ready. They get the flour ready to build from there. To make the bread. So millstones are this, in a way, this cornerstone for the city of Capernaum. It is a vital, important aspect to this place. It is what they are known for, and it is their spot. They have pride in it. This is like, yes, this is what we do. And what's amazing about this whole section of Scripture is that Jesus has a way to relate. Jesus has a way to relate to his audience, to his people, that is, to the people who are listening to him. Jesus sees where he is at. He knows where he is at. And perhaps Jesus can actually probably hear people hammering away on the rocks making these millstones. It's an industry place. It's, there's a lot of people working. There's noises everywhere. And Jesus is probably sharing this in a section of the city in which you can hear either the stones grinding, rubbing against each other to make this flower, or you can hear the chisel being struck by the hammer upon the millstone. Jesus has a way to relate. Jesus sees his audience and knows his audience. There's one thing of seeing it, but he knows it because some of his disciples are from this region. In fact, Peter is from this region. He sees his audience. He knows his audience and what is important to them. And he speaks truth using what they know best. Jesus references himself in a way in which the people understand what he is talking about. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah who came down and took on flesh, for any other person, that is hard to grasp. But Jesus has a way of relating who he is to a group of people in a way that they will understand. Because they know the importance of bread. Their life revolves around it. Jesus comes in and references it. It's like, Yo, I am the bread of life. In verses 34 through 40, Jesus is talking about him being the bread of life and the importance of bread, that we know that it's a part of their staple diet in this region. And Jesus doesn't just go in there and say, okay, yeah, bread's great. He goes in there and like, talks about the importance of bread. But then he also says this, I am the bread of life. The way it is written in the original text is that Jesus is signifying that he is greater than what you, the physical need that is there. Jesus is proclaiming to his people in a way that they can understand who he is. Jesus is relating to his audience, and Jesus is personal. Jesus has a way of being personal with those who he encounters. And Jesus is sharing that I am the bread of life. This bread that you have heard your whole life in which you have at your um, ceremonies and the important traditions of the Jewish culture revolve around bread. Jesus is saying, yes, that's great. But let me tell you what, I'm bigger and better than that bread. 
I am the bread of life. And Jesus is sharing this with them and showing them and, having, and, and explaining to them in a way that they can understand. If Jesus was to share this in a different part of Israel, let's say Jerusalem or um, let's go up north, like Tyre or south and like, or the Sea of Galilee, all this area, if he's going next to a port, bread of life doesn't like, okay, that's cool, we're all fishermen. What does bread have to do with being like a fisherman? That's cool. We can just have fish by itself. But Jesus is speaking to a specific location and he's speaking truth into this location in a way that they will understand. And as he shares it, as he shares that he is the bread of life, he reminds those who are listening that he is all that they need. That Jesus is all that we need. And I'm, say, I'm not saying to go like, leave from this place and don't eat for the rest of your life. Don't, make sure you eat. But what I am saying is that this, the importance of bread is the importance of food in our life. Jesus should be that much more important in our life. Realizing that, yes, we need to fulfill, sustain ourselves physically. But Jesus is also approaching this and saying, yes, you need that physically, but spiritually you need me. And I am that bread of life. I will sustain you. Jesus is speaking truth in a culture that understands it because it relates to them. One of the... One of the beautiful aspects of the Reformed tradition, okay, is, our, is the Reformed motto. And the Reformed motto is this. I'm going to say it in Latin first, which is Ecclesia Semper Reformada Est, which in English translate as the church must always be reforming. The church must always be reforming. And the reason why I share this with you this morning is because the fact is, as time changes, as culture, as culture changes, though our message of Christ does not change, our approach to sharing that message changes. Though God's message does not change, our approach does change as time goes on. We are called and should be constantly reforming ourselves in a way that, that shows, that preaches the gospel so that our community, our culture understands. We should always be reforming because, our, because the society and the culture around us is always changing. Why, would not, why wouldn't our approach change as well? There are, there is, like I mentioned, there is a niche to every city, to every community, to every culture. There's a way of life that is different from here to somewhere else. The culture in Redlands is far different than the culture of Chino, which is far different than the culture of Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is different than the culture found in Bangladesh or in Singapore. Every culture, every community is unique, and that is beautiful, that there is diversity within the kingdom of God. That's a beautiful aspect. And as we see Jesus walking through Israel, as Jesus is going, 
Jesus' approach to each city is unique, and Jesus preaches in a way that the community understands. The church, capital C, not just the river, but the church, the body of believers, our approach should be the same of constantly reforming so that our message does not change, but our approach is done so in a way that our community understands so that people may hear of the goodness of Jesus. For some of us here, and I talked about ports, some of you are like, oh, okay. If you're talking about ports out in L.A. in that region, they're like, yes, that's my so-and-so works there. There's a level of excitement. There's finding that place in a community that people, in a way that people can relate to, God uses to make his name great. So the Reformed motto is that is continuing, continuing to reform, continuing to change our approach and walking alongside those who live beside us. Not to isolate ourselves, but to live alongside those in our community. In fact, in Matthew 28, 19, we see Jesus sharing with the disciples, giving them the Great Commission, and Jesus is saying, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times you want to emphasize the go part. But if you look at the original text, the go part is not the emphasis. The emphasis of that whole section of the Great Commission is to make. And actually, you can even translate it from Greek to as you live life, so as you are living your life, go and make disciples. In the community in which you live in and the culture in which you live in, God has given you the ability to preach his good news, to live out his gospel, to live out his love, his mercy, and his grace. God has equipped every single one of you to do so. And that is our ability. Our ability is that we are equipped by the Holy Spirit to reach our community so that our friends, our neighbors, know the name of Jesus and know that there is power in the name of Jesus. The song that we sang this morning, that is my prayer, that, is that, that, is that my community knows that there is power in the name of Jesus. God has equipped us to go out, to live our lives sharing of his goodness. God has equipped you from young to the old. God has equipped every single one of us to preach his word. Now, I'm not telling you to go with a bullhorn and a, and a sign and doing that. No, what I'm telling you, encouraging you is this. Get to know your community. Know the names of the people who live around you. Know the names of the people in which the stores you enter regularly. 
know those who you walk beside with. God has equipped every single one of us to do that. Powered by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, God has given you. God has equipped you with that same Spirit to make His name known. God has equipped us. We are equipped by the Holy Spirit to relate to those in our community. Because why? Two reasons. We know our community. We live here. We speak the language. We know how to interact, for the most part, with those around us. And the second is we have been set apart by Christ. Not to build his kingdom, but to enter it. We have to be reminded that God's kingdom is already built right here on earth. Our job is not to go and build kingdom. Our job is to enter it and receive from it. And God's kingdom has been built in here through in Redlands, around Redlands. And God is calling us to enter it and receive from it. God is at work. And it reminds us as we read this story that Jesus, his ministry is personal. Jesus' ministry relates. Jesus' ministry speaks truth to a community that so desperately needs it and needs to be reminded of it. We should be personal. Let us be personal, just like Jesus was. So what does Capernaum teach us? As I read the story, I was reminded that there is not a place where Jesus can't be part of the story. There is not one area in which Jesus can't be part of the story because Jesus relates to the culture. The gospel moves in every context. The gospel moves in every context. The goodness of Jesus moves in every context context, no matter where you are at, God has a way of making himself known so that people will understand using you. God has equipped you. God has shined his face upon you and has been gracious to you. Let us live out that calling of walking alongside of our neighbors, of our friends, of our family, and sharing them of who Jesus is. Jesus relates. Jesus is personal. And we see that in Capernaum. Go and do likewise in Redlands, in Ukaipa, Banning, Yorba Linda, Loma Linda, you're from your Belinda, go do there too. <laughs> but wherever, whatever context, whatever location you are in, if it's at an elementary school, if it's at a middle school, a high school, a college, wherever it may be, it could even be at a bus stop, show 
the love of Christ. Relate to those around you. There is not strength in our isolation. There is weakness in isolation. But there is strength in the community of Christ. There is strength in the community of God. And there is strength and power in the kingdom of God. Let us enter it and let us show and share the goodness of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing in us and through us. Lord, I thank you for being a God who is personal, for being a God who relates, for being a God who calls his people, for being a God who so loved us that died on the cross for us. Lord, I thank you so much for that grace and for that mercy. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, may we be a people to relate to the community around us, to welcome them with open arms. Lord, have your way in us and through us. You are good. We love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.